0: I've had a fair bit of feedback from last week's uh, message uh, regarding on a running on empty. And uh, I had one mum message me and said, My, my daughter uh, listened to your message, which is good for a teenage person to listen to my message. And they said, that that, said Mum, that message was just for you. And so I thought, Well, that's, that's pretty good, so you can listen and see where it applies to someone else. Um, Fiona, Fiona emailed me the next day and was just talking about the concept of running out of fuel and, and uh, she was on a trip uh, and a friend of hers put the wrong fuel into the car. Has anyone, has anyone else done that? Guys, uh, hands up, come on, let's hands up. I've put, I've put petrol in a diesel and it doesn't go so well. You know when you've got the wrong fuel because it just doesn't work. And so, uh, but, but in context of what we were saying last week, you know, this. There's times we try to fill our lives up with so many other things. And we just got to be careful when we do um, run out of fuel. When we do feel depleted and tired, we can so easily try to fill it up on, on other stuff. It could be, you know, stuff that, that numb our pain or stuff that distract us or we get lost in other places. The encouragement there is to make sure we fill it up on the right fuel. Um, and so... Uh, I'm not too sure if you were tracking what was taking place in Asbury University uh, in the month of February. If I said Asbury University, give me a wave if you've got any idea what was going on there. And so maybe, maybe half of you or a third of you did. But it was a, what began as a simple worship service um, in the university, it turned into a, a, a week-long, well it was weeks, a weeks-long worship event that saw tens of thousands of students come and pray and worship. Now, many people would call it a revival. Some would call it a reawakening. Some would call it a, um, uh, what are they, a revival or a renewal. And so certainly something was happening in the States where, where God was moving and, and many people found themselves just attracted to that place. Uh, and the thing is, many people have an opinion about that. And it's so easy to have an opinion. We can look at what's going on in the world and have an opinion. And so uh, we just got to be careful when we put our opinions into these places. Because some, we, we give our opinions often on things we don't understand. And so uh, for me, um, I know we talked about it at the start meeting a couple of weeks ago. Well, we, we talked about what is revival. You know, and um, my simple uh, opinion on what was occurring is I want to celebrate whenever people draw close to God. Whether it's 10,000 students in a university or whether it's a single person on the side of a road or in a shop or a coffee shop or um, uh, or in a Bible study that is just coming alive to God. I want to celebrate that. I don't want to ever be... Friends, we've got to be careful that we don't have critical hearts. That we don't sit there and start judging or giving our opinions and just say, Lord, we're very excited that you're doing something in someone's heart in those places. And so... um, So my title of my message this morning is Revive. And as you're aware, we're in the midst of our Sabbath series. So, uh, and I I know many of you are involved in our uh, Sabbath conversation groups. I want to uh, reaffirm what Ali said. If you're not part of the group you missed the first one, there's still space for you. Uh, You can look that up on your QR code. And for people at home, it's great to have you with us. uh, if you're wanting to be part of the group, I know many of you are already, but let us know. We're we'll to give you some resources that can help our church journey through just talking a little bit about what rest and rhythm looks like. And so at the beginning of this year, I felt that the Lord saying to me that, um, that we needed to make room. I felt the Lord saying for, for me, for my family, and for our church, we needed to make a little bit more room for God to move. And I guess uh, and part of the reason we're engaged in this four-week series or a conversation is that um, I want to find a way that we can do that. I want to find a way that we can help every single one of us to make more space, increase our margins for God and our margin to love God and to love one another. And so, um, so this week I was all set to preach about Mary and Martha because that's the typical place you go to when you want to talk about busyness or rest. Uh, and so I was all set to preach about that. Uh, Mary, Martha was busy serving God and, and Mary was sitting with Jesus, if you remember that story. Uh, then I heard a, a message that really redirected my thoughts for today. Uh, the message I heard was from a pastor, John Tyson. Anyone know John Tyson other than Ali? So he's, the, he's an Australian pastor in New York City. And uh, he spent a lot of his life uh, investigating revivals all around the world, looking at history, Uh, visiting places, trying to explore what it is that revival looks like and what happens when revival moves in a city or a country or a place. And what he discovered, that there are sovereign moments where God moves. There are times and places where God does pour out His Spirit in unique ways, to, to specific ways, to specific people at specific times. Didn't matter what doctrine or what church you were part of. Didn't matter if you're a Pentecostal church or a Charismatic church or a or a conservative church. God doesn't care about our denominational boundaries. Uh, what he noticed in his studies on revival, but he boiled it down not as an equation, but he boiled it down to a, a simple thought, which I want to which uh, which sort of challenged me. And the, uh, the simple idea was that God comes where He's wanted. Where does God come? God comes where He is wanted, where people create space for Him. Where people are hungry and thirsty to know God in a deeper way. That's one of the common factors in all of the revivals of history. All of the times when God pours out His Spirit afresh and new and sees communities transformed. Now, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I mean, James tells us, the Apostle James tells us that we draw close to God, we make space for God to move, we draw it close to Him, and He draws close to us. There is a partnership involved in our relationship with God. But the, the thing that challenged me in the message wasn't that, because I said most of us would sort of agree with that. The thing that challenged me in this message was, but what if I'm not hungry and thirsty? I get it, but what, okay, I, I understand that God will... Come where he's wanted. But what if I'm not? If I'm not hungry and thirsty? What if? Maybe once you were, maybe if you look back across your life, you can remember moments and times when you were so in love with God or on fire with God and so passionate for God. But but maybe that flame has died a little bit. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning. I really felt as if preparing that. It's it's great, it's wonderful to see what God's doing, but I I think there's people, I know there's at least one person here, um, maybe more, that are wrestling with, okay, I I want more of God, but I I just don't have it in me. You're just going through the motions. Maybe you've made space for God before and, and He just didn't come through in the way you'd hoped. And so you're disappointed. Maybe you're just too tired, too worn out. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with your faith. Struggling with your identity. Who am I? Struggling with sin, struggling with shame, struggling with doubt. You're, you're, you're saying God's going to come where He's wanted but, but I'm not. And So does that mean God's going to forget me or miss me? And I know there's people struggling with those things today. Maybe there's people here that have said, I've only just had enough fuel to get to church today. But I'm not convinced my car will start afterwards. On a side note, Jerry, did your car start after church last Sunday? <laughs> this is a really important question. Because we, we we can come to church and we can sing the songs and, and, and see everyone really excited or really passionate and really and you're thinking I'm not, I'm not feeling that today. What do you do with that? How, how do you reignite that, that, that flame that was once there? Or, or how, do you, how do you become hungry again for God if, if you're not? So if that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But you'd be surprised of how many people are feeling exactly like you. You're not alone. And if that's you this morning, I want to tell you, I've been praying for you this week. Because this message is for you. It's for those who wish they were here, but find themselves over here for a whole range of reasons and you don't know what to do to get back on track again. So in this message, we're going to look at uh, something King David had to say. Uh, about how we can cultivate our spiritual hunger. Uh, We're going to be heading toward one of the Psalms, but before we get there, I'll give you a bit of context to the Psalm. Uh, David had a son whose name was Absalom. Absalom uh, uh, decided to try to take away the throne from his dad, David, and he started to set himself up as the authority and and told people, don't go to him, come to me. And so eventually, there's two tribes in Israel: uh, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And eventually, Absalom would uh, would uh, conspire against his dad. And we go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. We come to the tail end of the story. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, "All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you." David said, "Then we must flee at once, or it'll be too late." He urged his men, "Hurry! If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives." but we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. This is the context of the psalm we're about to read. And so David and his followers, they, they escape from Jerusalem and they enter into the hot, dry, dusty desert to survive. You know, it's really easy to praise God when things are going well. It's really easy to, to sing and to shout and to praise and to dance and to, and to Hallelujah, and to do all that, it's really easy to do that when things are going well. When our health is good, when we've got no relational dramas, when we've got no financial issues, when all is good in your soul, when all is good in your heart, it's really easy to praise God. But the psalm we're about to look at was written from a different place. Things weren't good, things weren't easy. Psalm 63 we're going to spend a little bit of time in. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Psalm 63. The verses will be up on the screen. Psalm 63. A Psalm of David regarding the time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. Verse 1. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gaze upon your power and glory. Here David is saying, you know, God, you are still my God even when things are tough. You are still my God even when I don't feel you. You are still my God when circumstances seem to be contrary to what, I want to what I want to achieve. You are still my God when I'm searching for you. Even when I can't find you, even when I'm looking and I'm, I'm looking and I'm, I'm crying out, you're, you're still my God. He was making a declaration. No matter what is going on around me, he was declaring. He was standing on the truth that he is still His God. You are still my God, when I'm thirsty, and I'm tired, and I don't know what to do. I just, I just sense there's people here today that just don't know how to move closer. And David is saying, you're still my God, and yet I'm so far away from where I used to be. David said, I've seen you in your temple, in your sanctuary. I've seen your glory. I've seen your power. I've seen it all. I've been there. I've I've worshipped. I've sung. I've had prophetic words. I've I've, I've had God speak to me. I've had a whole range of things happening in my life. I remember those days. But I'm, I'm so far away from the temple now. I'm so far away from where I used to be. I'm so far away from the passion and love that I once had. When I was so connected and life. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Somewhere, somewhere between where you want to be. This is where I want to be. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be passionate for God and praying and seeing Him move and, and, and dealing with stuff and living a life of victory. That's where I want to be, but, but, but there's a gap. Between you want to be where you want to be to where you are. And I just felt God said there's people here this morning where we're talking about Sabbath, we're talking about rest, we're talking about engaging, making more space to love God and to love others. And there's such a gap. And you're here, which is a wonderful thing, but there's a gap between what you want and where you are. When your prayer life was so active and the Bible was so... Alive to you. I've heard it said that the gap between what you want and where you are is a gift. Let's think about that for a second. The gap between what you want, who you want to be. That gap between what you want and where you are. Our times of disappointments dis dis means disfati- <laughs> have a drink, that's what that means. <laughs> <Disfetification, so. laughs> our times of disappointment, dissatisfaction. Our time of pain, our time of struggle between what we want and what we're experiencing. And I'm not saying that God is the cause of our pain. We live in a messed up, broken world. We all face the pain of circumstances. We face the pain of choices that, that we make and that people make for us. And we've got a whole range of things that, that we find ourselves in a struggle and, and a pain. But God can use those moments as a gift. The struggle you're having, can I encourage you? What if you're struggling, that could just very well be the gift that God has given you to turn to Him and discover all that He says you are and to receive from Him a fresh breath in your life. You know, we can never experience Jehovah Jireh. We never really discover who Jehovah Jireh is until we have need. We never really experience The fullness of Jehovah Rapha, who's the God who heals, until we are in pain, until we are struggling. Your gap, the gap that you may be feeling, for some of you the gap may be very little. You you you, you might be walking in in this zone, which is wonderful. But for those of you that I feel this word is given for, that may have a gap. Maybe a small gap, maybe a big gap. Could it be that just this this moment, this gap is a gift of God to grab your attention, to turn your face toward Him? So don't resent your gap. There's people here this morning that that their their gap may be shame or guilt or or not good enough. Don't resent that. I'm not saying don't embrace it, don't get your identity from that, but I just want you to acknowledge what it is. Author uh, Philip Yancey, anyone read much of Philip Yancey's stuff? He, um, he, wrote, he co-wrote a book with a, a guy called Dr. Brand, and uh, Dr. Brand was researching into pain, uh, and it took him into the leprosy colonies in India, uh, and for those whose bodies were struggling leprosy um, where their, their nerve endings were hidden away by the bacterial disease um, and so they had no ability to feel pain and so their their uh, their, their hands their feet that injured themselves and they didn't know that they cut themselves they didn't know that there was something and so and so they, that, that was the thing that killed them it wasn't the leprosy that, that was treatable but it's the inability to feel pain and he discovered that a leper's absence of pain it was not a blessing to them, but rather a curse because it allowed them to burn their hands without, or feet without knowing it, or to walk, as I said, walk on raw wounds and not know that, that something was wrong. Um, eventually, Dr. Brand came to the conclusion that pain is actually a great benefactor to humankind a gift from God, not a curse, which allows us to know what needs to be done when we hurt. I just want to take a moment, you might be here this morning, you might be hurting, you may be struggling, you may be in pain, I want to encourage you, if it's not, could it be that that level of pain is just the the showing you that something's not right? And could it be that that that, that moment, that gap that you have, this this thing that you're wrestling with, could it be that that is what God is using to grab your attention, to show you that He's enough and that you are enough? Could it be just this morning that that moment that you have, that, that gap, that dissatisfaction, that disappointment, that hurt is a gift? Could it be that our hunger or our desire for God is not triggered by our abundance, our hunger and our desire for God. Could it be that it's triggered through our lack? Could it be that it, it's our... Disp- dis- I'm going change the words. <laughs> Could it be our disappointments and despair? Could it be those things that we're going through? Could it be those things that the, the moments that God uses to show you who He is? I'd like to think it is. Maybe you're here and you're aching. Like David aching for the presence of God. God, you are my God. I'm in that in my circumstances are uh, very contrary to what I want to be. I've, there's this gap between what I've experienced and where I am. But he was confident that God is his God. And can I tell you that if you're aching, if you're here this morning and you're longing for God's presence and you're struggling and you're and you're singing and you're saying, why is this happening? Why, why is everyone else so connected? And why am I disconnected? Can I tell you that your aching for God's presence is a gift. And let me tell you, He is not going to disappoint you. God will not disappoint you. God will meet you. Your gap may just be the gift you need for your soul to come alive, for your spirit to, to be rekindled. Let's move on in the psalm. In the so my first thought is, Your gap could be a gift. second one is that his love is enough. Verse 3. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I'll praise you with songs of joy. i lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. There's so much, there's so much in these verses here about God's love, about God's nature, about God's character. And even though David was in his wilderness experience, he had an understanding of God's love. He understood that there's something about God's love that sustained him at this time. He's saying, your love is better than life. Now, David had a pretty good life. He, uh, he's saying, your love, he understood that God's love for him is better than anything this world has to offer. Now, he had a lot of wives and concubines. And so he had a lot of opportunity to enjoy that space. He's saying, you know, your love is better than any of the pleasures of the world. Your love is better than all the power that I have as king. Your love is better than the the authority I have over the armies of the nation. Your love is better than all the wealth I can accumulate. Your love is better than all the success that I can ever have. Your love is better than everything else. Can we say that? Could I say that? Because so often we, 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 we find many other things that in our heads, I think we know God's love is better, but sometimes I think we go to other places to receive what we want. God's unfailing love, His unfailing love, the Hebrew word for that word is chesed. Everyone say chesed? Okay. And then wipe right the person's forehead, the hair, just wipe it <laughs> off, and the back of their head. <laughs> um, that, that, that word is interpreted in so many different ways. Uh, it's interpreted in the New Living Translation, his unfailing love, But it's talking about his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his loyalty, his loving kindness. This is what David is saying. All this is far better than anything the world has to offer me. David understood that even though his circumstances were troubling, even though he was... On, and at a place where he didn't want to be, so far from where he used to be, even though he was struggling in the natural, he understood that God's loving kindness would never disappoint him. Never disappoint him. He's satisfied by God. And so, so from David, the key, when we're, when we're struggling in, in this place, when we're struggling from the disconnect, from where we want to be. David isn't saying, well, the key there is to repent more, try more, pray more, do more, give more. David isn't saying, I've got to do more. I've got to, I've got to pull my socks up. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to try to get back there as, as quick as I can. That's not what David is saying in this psalm. What he's saying is that when the storms of life hit, that I'll be fully satisfied with God. Even though I'm here, <laughs> I'm fully satisfied that He's enough. I don't need to go to all the other stuff the world has to offer. I, don't, I, I can't. My, my experience may not be what I want it to be. But I'm fully satisfied. I'm fully trusting. I'm fully believing that He is enough for me. He can be fully satisfied in God. He can choose at times when things are difficult and out of line. He can choose to anchor himself into who God is. Anchor himself into the truth of God's nature and God's character and God's goodness. Even though the storms are hitting, he can still anchor himself secure in that place. And God's right hand will hold him secure. You see, David David would never be fully satisfied with himself. Never could be fully satisfied with himself. Friends, you'll never be fully satisfied with what you can do. Your achievements, your accomplishments, your education, your finances, your, 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 your level of health, your, whatever it is, the devil never fully satisfied you. Were, you, were, you were created not to be satisfied by yourself. You were created to be satisfied by God. And so David realised he could never be fully satisfied by himself. But what, what, could, what could fill his tank what could fill his tank when he's so far away, he could be fully satisfied with God's love. With God's love for him. He didn't have to dig deeper. David didn't have to try to be more loving to God. Because love for God isn't something we initiate. I think this is a key point. Loving God, if you're feeling... I'm struggling to love God more, I've got to do more to love God. It's not something we initiate. John would tell us that we love because He first loves us. I want you to understand that there is, a, there, there, there is an initiation that comes from God. Our response, our response here isn't to, I've got to love him more and I can't because I'm tired or I'm ashamed or I'm guilt or whatever. We can't do that. We can't dig deeper and love more. What we can do is respond to his love. He initiates and we respond. That's how, that's how the gospel works. Our faith is a gift from God, it's not of ourselves. So maybe you're here and you're you're living on this side of, of, of where you want to be. Can I tell you? You don't need to try any harder. But you just need to open your heart and your mind to who God is and just respond respond to him. David in his time of disconnection and despair shows us how that we can rest, how we can start to restore the passion we once had. We saw I'm just trying to land the plane today I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not doing more, just trying to, part of what God, God wants to do. Yeah, I saw a, a thing a friend of mine posted on... I don't do Facebook much, by the way. Um, I hate it. Um, every now and then I pop there just to see what's going on. Um, I apologise to the online people. Oh, sorry, online people watching on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we love Facebook. Um, it's, talk, it's talking about church. It's talking about what good... Is all our great services, all our well-constructed messages, all, all the what, what what does that accomplish if people leave here unchanged? what what, what good and as, as a leader, as a pastor, what what good does does having the most efficient, um, uh, ordered, organized community if people don't leave here transformed by the power of God? That's the goal. The goal isn't to deliver a nice message. There's thousands of messages that are, that are nice and enc- encouraging and uplifting. The goal isn't to hear a message. The goal is to be transformed by God. And so, so this, this morning we've seen that perhaps, perhaps your, your gap, perhaps the gap that you have, maybe that's a gift. Maybe your frustrations, your disappointments, maybe this this place of disconnect you have may just be the very thing that God is using to awaken you, to cry out to Him. We saw this morning that, that His love is enough. His love is enough. David showed us that we can rely on God's loving kindness. God is faithful even when you feel faithless. And you're, and you're thinking, how could God love me? Friends, his love is enough. He is faithful to you, even when we are faithless toward him. To those watching on Facebook, I disappear from the screen sometimes because I go over there, so sorry. Well, I'm that. David could rely on God no matter what. We can rely on his unfailing love to nurture and cultivate. Remember, God, resp- God initiates, we respond. Even this morning, God is initiating. God is giving an invitation, an opportunity. Our response is to respond to that. That's our, that's our opportunity. And so before we pray, I'm going to get team up, please. Uh, thanks. Um, we might go back to Jira. Thanks, Ben. I want to give you some practical things, and then I want to give you an opportunity for prayer. Some practical. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you're feeling the flame that you once had has died down. We're talking about God comes where He's wanted. We're talking about I want want God more. I want that, but I'm over there. How, how, Mark, how can you, what can I do to help me get from over there to here? What can I do? Number one, don't give up. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on, 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 on who He is. Don't give up on His promises don't give up on what he's spoken over you first you don't give up your gap that gap between what he said and where you are that that could be the gift that he has for you today secondly reposition yourself your environment makes a big difference who do you spend time with do you spend well, what did you get beside people who are who are passionate for God I love it. I hear some of our our high school kids that they're getting together in Bible studies at lunchtime. I love that. Get around people that are going to build you up. Get around people that are going to go to inspire you. It's like you bring two burning coals together. Get around people that are just going to help you. Intentionally put yourself into our environments of faith. Yeah, when we worship here, and in a moment we're going to worship. This is an opportunity for you to. Put yourself in a place where where God's spirit can blow again, can breathe again. Maybe you've got the embers of your heart. Maybe there's been coals that are once a bright burning over here, but circumstances and stuff and life have brought you to a place where those, those coals are burning in. Could it be that as you as you intentionally place yourself in an environment where God can breathe again, breathe over the heart? And pray, meeting. In a moment we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to be praying that the Holy Spirit will just breathe over the embers of your heart. Number three, take your time. Yeah, There's no quick fixes to build a strong flame. When, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're building a fire at home, you, you can stick newspaper in it, it burns pretty brightly, but that goes pretty quick to cultivate your to, to cultivate your flame it starts with just maybe twigs and kindling and and then you add bigger things then you add bigger logs and sticks and eventually in the journey you have step by step you're just adding things to your life adding things that burn well adding things that have substance builders Guard, guard that flame. Guard that flame. Come to a place where God, I'm just adding day by day. I I don't have to, I don't have to get here straight away. I can just daily just build it. Maybe I can add a bit of prayer or read something or pray with someone. Slowly build that flame. on that scale of burning hot for Jesus, burning where you're feeling alive and vibrant and yet you're sensing an open heaven and you're hearing and, and responding and you're seeing, I don't us want to be there. But if you had a really honest look at yourself, not to beat yourself up, just an honest look in the mirror and say, Lord, where am I today? I know this is where I want to be, but where am I? What do you think about that? I want to tell you that no matter where you're at, whether you're here or whether you're there, God will meet you where you're at. God meets you where you're at. God starts with you. If you're here and you're and you're disconnected and and you think I don't even I, I want to love God but I haven't got time or energy or God will meet you there. He'll meet you exactly where you're at, and he'll walk with you. Where are you at this morning? Let's close our eyes for a moment, please. Someone wrote a word down and stuck it on my chair. Let me just read it out. Many of of you this morning are carrying worries and burdens that you don't know what or which way to turn. So God says this morning to you, I'm able to carry these burdens for you. Turn to me. Give it to me so that you can know. You can know I met you. For I'm your God and I love you. God, I don't want to be over this side. I don't want to be on this side, but Lord, help me where I'm at. Maybe this morning you can just place your hand over your heart. You know where I'm at. You know where I want to be. Lord, meet me where I am, Lord. I pray that you would breathe again. That you would breathe your Holy Spirit over those embers of my life. Those things that have died down, the passions I've had for you or, or for others, oh Lord, I, I can't even seem to get a, a flight started. Lord, I pray. my pain and my disappointments help me to realise that I can trust you I can hang on to you that, that I don't need to make it all work that hard I don't need to be striving. that I can just rest in who you are because you are enough Lord I offer myself wherever I am to you Brokenness, I offer my pain, I I offer my discontent, I offer my my emptiness, my longing, my groaning to you in this dry and thirsty place. Oh God, you are my God. Your loving kindness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, just you can satisfy me. And so, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to allow you to carry the burdens I cannot carry myself.